Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Marty Green, an attorney with the mortgage law firm Polensky Beidel Green, on what the latest Fed meeting means for the housing market, and a recap of the post-FOMC meeting sell-off in the bond market last week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company, an award-winning developer and mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Tens of thousands of loan officers at hundreds of independent mortgage banks, community and regional banks, and credit unions use the Simple Nexus homeownership platform to reduce turn times and increase loan application submissions. With one login, you and your borrowers can do it all from any device, from uploading docs and checking loan status to paying for appraisals and signing disclosures. Learn more at simplenexus.com. Remember when many experts predicted that A, Amazon was going to enter the lending business and trample everyone, and B, Costco, after announcing it was offering mortgages to members, was going to drive any remaining lenders out of business? Neither has happened, and in fact, Costco has ended its mortgage perk for members. Meanwhile, Zillow, which has ended its eye-buying business, is watching its stock hit multi-year lows, mimicking nearly every lender's stock price. And why not? We're seeing the highest 30-year mortgage rates since 2009, firmly in the fives. Rate and term refis have nearly vanished, and last week's move by our Fed has short-term rates predictably moving higher for the rest of 2022. To talk a little bit more about the housing market, I wanted to welcome onto the show Marty Green, who leads the Dallas office of Polonsky Beidel Green, one of the country's top residential mortgage law firms. Mr. Green is an accomplished attorney with more than 20 years of experience in the legal, banking, and financial services industries. He is the former executive vice president and general counsel for Dallas CTX Mortgage Company and previously worked with the Baker Botts Law Firm in Dallas as special counsel. In his role as leader of the firm's Dallas office, Mr. Green advises clients on the latest rules and regulations covering residential lending. In addition to building on Polunsky Battle Green's long tradition of delivering loan closing documents with speed and accuracy, Mr. Green is admitted to practice before all Texas state and federal district courts in addition to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. What does the latest FOMC meeting statement? Chair Powell press conference mean for the recent volatility we've seen in bond and equity markets? I anticipate that the volatility is going to continue. I think that the uh, statements of the chairman were initially, as you saw the first day after or the day of the the announcement, uh, the markets were calmed and the market went up a thousand points on the stock market. And the next day it went down a thousand points uh, again, or a little bit more than that. So I think you can just read from the past couple of days that this is not going to change the volatility. Although I think the Fed did give us a pretty good roadmap into what their intentions are. But the big unknown out there today is is whether or not uh, the the Fed is going to be successful in terms of navigating a soft landing. And I think uh, that question is still very real for everyone. And and even though we kind of know what their their plan is and kind of what the timetable looks like in terms of the interest rate increases uh, that we should anticipate uh, where those will end, we don't know. And how the economy and the labor markets and everything else is going to react to that is still a great deal uncertain. Yeah, and it's a tough time in the housing market with mortgage rates uh, making affordability as low as it's been uh, in my lifetime, I'd say. 
What's implied for the housing market from these Fed moves? We've already seen signs of it cooling. Yeah, I'm hearing evidence of that too, Robbie. It's very interesting. We're we're seeing some what are very, very hot markets out there, but we're starting to see at least some sellers that are are doing some price reductions. Now, these are from aspirational prices, not necessarily from what current sales prices. So I don't know that you're seeing the market cool where we're going to see uh, really markets decline. But I think sellers are getting a little bit more realistic about the number of buyers out there, although there's still a big imbalance there in terms of inventory versus the number of people out there. So I think the affordability takes some people off the table. It forces them to be a little bit more creative with the financing. But I think in terms of the housing market, it's going to continue to be a very, very tight market out there. But we are seeing some early signs of it loosening. And we're also seeing early signs of some people thinking that the market may be topping out in terms of at least the immediate price appreciation. And so we may see some sellers take some profits uh, at this point in the, in the cycle. You mentioned in your first answer, a soft landing that the Fed is trying to engineer. So I want to ask you, how does the Fed weigh fighting inflation versus hurting economic growth? Obviously, they're prioritizing getting inflation down, but we already saw in the first quarter that the U.S. economy contracted. Yes, it was interesting listening to Chairman Powell's comments on that. He did, did not seem to be overly concerned about that sort of contraction uh, in the first quarter, partly because he attributes that to the uh, issues in Ukraine that are playing out, as well as Omicron and all of the uncertainty that that uh, those two events have kind of brought. But when he looks at the other economic data, I think he's not overly concerned about an immediate recession. And he kind of made that pretty clear uh, in his press conference the other day. So I think in terms of balancing those two, he repeatedly has said he does not think you can have a sustained economic uh, expansion without having price stability. So he sees that as the cornerstone uh, to maintaining this sort of economic expansion and avoiding a recession. And it, he believes that if he can get prices back in terms of a stable environment, that he will have a much firmer foundation to grow the economy. So he will risk tipping it over a little bit into uh, a recession uh, if it means being more certain in terms of uh, the inflation piece of it. And he also made a very interesting point that he's not going to pay too much attention to very short-term data. So even if he was to get a very tame inflation reading uh, before the next meeting or two, I don't know that that's going to cause him to change course in terms of what the committee is going to do. I think he's going to telegraph to the markets that a half-point increase in both of the next two meetings, he says, is on the table. Uh, I think the market kind of assumes that that means that those are probably a, pretty much a certainty, although there could be some external event that could cause them to, to rethink that, but it would take something substantial for them to do so. Maybe if he gets a low inflation reading, he'll chalk it up to being transitory. Like he did <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. What do you think? What, what's your take on, on likely outcomes here? Uh, for the U.S. economy, for the mortgage market, for the the Fed's future course of policy, you have your personal thoughts on on uh, what you anticipate. You know what I th- I think the market has kind of baked in the the increases that the Fed has kind of telegraphed up until you get to kind of what we would call uh, you know just neutral territory in terms of the Fed funds rate. I think the real question that we don't know the answer to yet is is that going to be enough or the, is the Fed going to have to go fa- fairly 
a good bit beyond that, which could mean rates could go up uh, more substantially in the future. But I think in the short run, we've kind of seen those increases baked in. And so I think the market's starting to stabilize a little bit in terms of the rates. So I would anticipate for that to continue because we now have at least a pretty good roadmap from the Fed as to what they're contemplating. So I would I think that uh, you know we'll we'll continue to see some volatility out there, but I think in terms of mortgage rates, we should see it sort of stabilize. And that's sort of what I'm hearing from my clients out there is that they're starting to see that. The the real estate market, I again I think it all depends upon inventory. If they could get additional inventory, there's still a fair amount of appetite for people to buy. And uh, but I think one of the things the Fed would like to see is the price increases on the the housing side to to really level out and plateau because that's such a huge component of people's budgets. And so if we can get that under control, that actually helps the inflation equation a great deal. Any other comments you'd like to add about what's going on before I let you go today? You know, I think it's going to be an interesting time for us. It's, uh, I think the unemployment number is the one that I would look at carefully. I think that that's one of the reasons that I think the Fed feels pretty comfortable where we are in terms of recession, just because the number of jobs out there versus the people who are seeking them is still out of balance. I think the Fed would see that as a very, very positive sign if we saw re-entry of a number of people into the, the labor markets to bring that more into balance. And uh, I think some of the job growth that you would see otherwise, uh, he's hoping to, to sort of tamper down a little bit with the interest rate increases to, to bring that about as well. So the labor market's going to be an interesting to watch uh, in the next few months, because I think that's going to be a telltale sign for the Fed as to how high they have to go in terms of rates. Yeah, we saw on Friday that the unemployment rate stood at 3.6%. And, and uh, I mean, job openings and, and quitting employees are, are both at fresh highs. So I agree that it'll be very interesting to watch. Marty, thank you for the time. Appreciate it as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, Robbie. The latter half of last week saw a sharp sell-off after investors decided the Federal Reserve's implied policy tightening cycle ahead was still very hawkish. Even as Chairman Powell said the committee was not currently discussing 75 basis point rate hikes. Investors remain nervous about the Fed's ability to tighten financial conditions to combat inflation without sending the economy into a recession. With the war in Ukraine, sanctions against Russia, and COVID-19 lockdowns in China adding to food, energy, and supply chain disruptions, and reactionary tightening by central banks, in turn inflaming global growth risks and fears of stagflation, there's no end in sight to volatility in financial markets. The economy added 428,000 jobs in April, which was a touch above the 400,000 consensus estimate. Those new jobs, in conjunction with the declining labor force participation rate, kept the unemployment rate at 3.6%. The unemployment rate stirred concerns about wage pressures persisting given the record number of job openings. Year-to-date, the U.S. has added over 2 million jobs, and the jobs market remains tight. Fed Chair Powell said that the committee expects the labor participation rate to increase given current market conditions, as well as a slowing of job growth due to fiscal and monetary policies. The report is not expected to alter the Federal Reserve's plan, to continue to raise the policy rate multiple times in the coming months, and chatter is that the odds for the Fed to engineer a soft landing have increased with the positive headline payrolls figure. The FOMC's goal is to bring labor supply and demand closer together, as there are still 1.9 openings for each unemployed person. As markets adjust to a tighter monetary environment, they are currently pricing in a peak to the Fed funds rate near 3.25% sometime in mid-2023. Technically, the Fed is still in accommodative mode, 
with rates so low that inflation continues to be made worse. The underlying level of inflation is running at about 5% once you take out transitory factors. So the inflation-adjusted interest rate, or the federal funds rate minus inflation, is deeply negative, at about negative 4%. There are concerns that the Fed was premature in pushing back against talk of larger rate increases, but if the Fed increases rates too much and too fast, it risks a recession, something some have argued is necessary to bring inflation back down. At this stage, getting to a neutral rate, where inflation is no longer being pushed even higher, is the top priority. The monetary policy stance is neutral when the federal funds rate is just a bit higher than the underlying trend of inflation. So if underlying inflation is running at about 5%, and the Fed raises the Fed funds rate to around 6%, it's not a restrictive policy, but rather the rate that avoids adding any further monetary accommodation and helps keep inflation from rising even higher. Getting to neutral, as Fed Chair Powell said, is still a long way off. Sticking with smaller hikes in coming months risks adding fuel to the inflationary fire. What is crucial for volatility is that the Fed be clear in explaining its strategy and reasoning to markets. This week, Fed speak will be prevalent now that the blackout period has ended. The week gets off to a relatively mundane start, with the non-market moving employment trends index for April and wholesale trade, both due out later this morning. The New York Fed desk will purchase up to $1.9 billion in conventional MBS, consisting of UMBS 15, 3%, 3.5%, and UMBS 30, 3.5%, through 4.5%. After rising 24 basis points over the course of last week to close at 3.12%, the highest level since 2018, we begin the week with the 10-year yielding 3.17%, and agency MBS prices worse an eighth to a quarter. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Four brothers left home for college, and they became successful doctors and lawyers. One evening, they chatted after having dinner together. They discussed the 95th birthday gifts they were able to give their elderly mother who moved to Florida. The first said, You know, I had a big house built for Mama. The second said, And I had a large theater built in the house. The third said, And I had my Mercedes dealer deliver an SL600 to her. The fourth said, you know how mama loved reading the Bible, and you know she can't read anymore because she can't see very well? I met this preacher who told me about a parrot who could recite the entire Bible. It took ten preachers almost eight years to teach him, and I had to pledge to contribute $50,000 a year for five years to the church. But it was worth it. Mama only has to name the chapter and verse, and the parrot will recite it. The other brothers were impressed. After the celebration, mama sent out her thank you notes. She wrote, Milton, the house you built is so huge that I live only in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. Thanks anyway. Marvin, I'm too old to travel. I stay home. I have my groceries delivered, so I never use the Mercedes. The thought was good. Thanks. Michael, you gave me an expensive theater with Dolby surround sound and it can hold 50 people, but all my friends are dead. I've lost my hearing and I'm nearly blind. I'll never use it. Thank you for the gesture. Just the same. Dearest Melvin, you were the only son to have the good sense to give a little thought to your gift. The chicken was delicious. Thank you so much. Love, Mama. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end to end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. 
To learn more about Simple Nexus and Encino Company, visit simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.